This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Mark and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is, what AA can do to help and we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is, is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There is no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you don't have it. However, once it has hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as the sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of, an alco- of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with the obsession of the mind. The allergy is a physical aspect of the disease. After having that first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to to keep picking up that first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Occult's anonymous big book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise helpless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. 
would I guess like to introduce themselves and give us a quick sketch of who you are? Sure. Hi, my name's Martine. I'm an alcoholic. I am 53 years old and I am eight years sober. I am um, in a relationship with a partner. Uh, I'm not married and I don't have children. I'm currently, um, I'm not working just at the moment. I've just been lucky enough to return um, from a three and a half month trip around Portugal and Morocco. Cool. Would you like to tell us where you're from, uh, where you grew up and how you, what your childhood was like? Yes. So I am Christchurch through and through. Um, I grew up with um, my parents. My father was an alcoholic. Um, my mother left when I was nine and left with my two sisters and I stayed with my father. Um, and I, I would say I had a happy childhood, probably happier when my parents were together than when they were separated. But I really think now looking back that my father founded, he um, had his own business. Uh, he also had a lot of um, outside interest, things like rotary. Um, he was often asked to speak. He was involved in lots of committees. Um, he he was very active, he was a mountaineer, he did did lots of things. And I think that he probably found it a little bit, he probably found it quite, quite full on looking after a nine-year-old child. Uh, he had also grown up in an orphanage, so probably didn't have, you know, a lot of, a lot of, yeah, a, a lot of positive things happening in his own childhood or a lot of experience sort of parenting alone. So yeah, so that was my childhood. Thanks, Martine. Um, do you want to tell us when you started drinking and how it progressed? Well, my dad had gone to a meeting and that was the time that I had my first drink. I was home alone and I was bored. Um, and I remember it sort of tasted quite disgusting. I know a lot of people talk about having their first drink and feeling a sort of sense of warm. I, I don't actually recall that. Um, and, and that drink that I had, I remember sort of feeling quite shady the next day, was very much a sort of one-off. I was there, it was, it was opportunistic. And I guess my drinking kind of, you know, it was sort of around the time that I was 13 that where I sort of found that I had more um, access to alcohol. And um, I guess, you know, people's attitudes towards alcohol was very different then. You know, I mean, I was nightclubbing when I was 13, 14, and um, which seems crazy when you think about it now, but that's how it was. You know, the least drunk person would drive everyone home, you know. And I guess, too, with the way that New Zealand's drinking culture is, is that anything that you do when you're a teenager that's crazy because you're drunk is almost sort of laughed at. It's sort of like, oh, well, you know, what do you expect? You know, that's all sort of part of it. But um, I also um, hung out with people a lot older than I was. So I guess it was even easier to all go into the ducks or go here and go there um, drinking because I was with people who looked and, – and I did look significantly older um, than I was. I really um, – yeah, and I loved drinking. It was fun, you know, like a lot of other people sort of describe it. It, it gave me, it gave me confidence. I I feel like I'm quite a confident person, but if you took me to a party where I didn't know anyone, even still, I would feel quite uncomfortable. So I guess alcohol just gave me that that oomph. It gave me the courage to do what I couldn't do without it. Yeah. How did you drink? Like in terms of let's like, say binge drinking, drinking alone, or daily. Did you ever feel it was a problem and did you ever try to stop? So initially I couldn't afford to drink as much as I, I wanted to. I did actually, for 
you know, for being at school and having a part-time kitchen handing job, I was actually paid really well because that's when you had penalty rates and you had all these allowances and things. So, um, so I had a, I had money to play with, but it wasn't endless. The nightclub drinks and things are expensive. So, um, my at that stage, I think I'd moved over and I'd lived with my mum, and they were they would sort of come home and have a um, you know a drink after work most days, and you know I. My my mum and and, um, and my stepdad, her husband, are, are still together, and I've never ever seen either of them drunk. Although you know, having a drink after work was was a normal you know thing when I sort. So when I got a bit older, I was sort of having a drink, a drink with them. But um, so I think my drinking was kind of largely sort of under the radar for me at least. Um, yeah, a couple of sort of shady things, but it was sort of when I got into my thirties that I became quite aware that I drank in a different way to people. I enjoyed it more. I made more opportunities where I could sort of see people wanting to settle down and have children. It was sort of like I didn't feel old enough. I didn't feel like I wanted to give up my life. I wasn't ready yet. You know, I wanted to party, wanted to travel overseas. I put more of a priority on drinking and I could see that. Um, and then slowly it sort of crept up and I sort of found that I the days that I weren't drinking were getting fewer and far between. So um, I, yeah, I basically drank with the odd exception of if I was exceptionally unwell or something highly unusual happened, I drank every day. And I didn't even know that I drank to blackout until I came to AA and heard, heard that term put around when someone was explaining their own drinking that 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 gave me the understanding of yeah that I blacked out mm. I didn't know what happened at the end of the night you know nasty surprises were popping up you know someone would call me and say where were you where are you Martine I'd have no idea what they were talking about because I'd agreed to do something in blackout yeah so yeah when did you first realize that you needed help and were you just trouble the law or did you have um uh, mental health de- decline, or um, I certainly my mental health declined. Absolutely, I never got in trouble with the law, um, and that was probably good luck, you know, because like I said, everyone used to drink and drive, um, and and I did. I I hated the thought of me doing it, and often I wouldn't even remember. I'd wake up and I'd think, "Is my car in the garage?" Did I drive? Because I'm really opposed to drink driving and I always have been. But I'm also really opposed to a whole lot of other things that completely went by the wayside when I drank. And that was the thing too. I was I was doing some of my behaviour was completely at odds with who I am as a person. You know, and so that would happen. I I guess I got to the point where I knew something needed to change because I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired of waking up hungover, of being dragging my ass off to work, of 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 brushing my teeth and vomiting because you know I had that gag reflex from being so hungover. I looked different. My skin was puffy. My eyeballs were always bloodshot. I I had sort of I had a very sort of swollen looking looking face. I looked back at myself and I can barely recognise the the photo. So I came to a point where I was absolutely miserable and I knew I needed help, but I. God, I struggled to admit that I was an alcoholic. You know, it's just like I knew that if I did, I'd have to do something about it. And while I knew that it was ruining my life, it was also the only thing that gave me any joy. If, yeah, 
if that can make, and I know that the people listening will understand what that feels like, but it's crazy, but that's how it was. And I felt like I was going mad. Thanks, Martine. Moving to recovery, how did you find yourself uh, to your first AA meeting? Well, I ended up meeting somebody who um, was an alcoholic in recovery, and I very much surprised myself by, well, after I'd behaved really, really badly, and I kind of didn't really have a choice, but I found myself opening up and being honest for the first time about how much I drank. I mean, I'd lie to my doctor, I'd lie to everyone about how much I drank. And um, so I found myself for the first time being honest, and I didn't actually stop then. It took it took a couple more months, and I just got to the point where I just thought, I, I can't go on like this anymore. I, do, I just cannot. And his answer to me was, you need to get to an AA meeting. And so I did. How did you feel at AA and how did people make you feel? I spoke with a woman before I went. Um, we had a chat on the phone and she said, come to, come to this meeting. I'll be there. I'll be outside. I'll meet you. And I remember very, very clearly how I felt standing outside that meeting. I didn't want to go in. I didn't want to leave. I didn't even know what to wear. You know, I remember sort of thinking, gosh, you know, what do you wear to an AA meeting? Like that matters, you know. And um, I remember kind of bargaining with myself outside the meeting thinking, you could just leave now. You could just leave. You could go to the bottle shop. You get yourself about three bottles of Pinot Gris. You could just go home, and this this whole crazy idea could just disappear. But I don't know. I did. I stayed there. She came out. I looked at her. She looked so happy. She looked beautiful, and she had um, clear eyes. And there was a sparkle. There was something. There was something about her. And we went in. Um, and she just seemed really happy. Everyone looked really happy. I was the only person, I, it seemed crazy, I was walking into a meeting of AA and yet I was the only unhappy one in the room, you know. And so people were telling their stories and, but I remember her saying to me, do you think you're an alcoholic? And I thought, oh my God, do you think I'm not? Maybe I could leave now, you know, so so keen, so strong was that denial. But I listened and I didn't relate to everything that everybody said, but there was enough. And and I was hooked on their sparkling eyes. I was hooked on how happy happy they were. And up until that point, I'd only ever been able to be sober for three days. And at that stage, I think I was sober for three days because someone said, just hang on, just don't do anything. Just, just you know, just one more day, hang in, you know. Sort of like, I, I, I think I can do, you know, a day. And um, and that was sort of how it, how it began, me sort of doing a day and seeing if all these people are happy. Because a lot of the time I'd look at other people's lives and think, that's what you've got, that's what works for you. That's not going to work for me. I'm different, my life doesn't work work that way you know and um but I thought well I have anything to lose at this point so I'm going to give this a try um so okay how many of you have you managed to stay, stay sober and talk about um how you've um how meetings helped and also how services helped okay so when I first got sober I did six meetings a week um I had a so uh, a I got a sponsor I think probably within about a month or maybe six weeks of being in an AA. Um, and I don't know how I would have done the program or survived without a sponsor. I have um, I have a different sponsor um, today who I love dearly and, um, and I speak to her every week and I have a very close, strong relationship with her where she knows everything that is on, you know, everything that is honestly going on in my life. So 
I've always done a lot of service as well, being involved in AA, and I think it's very important to stay centred in the hub, get to know people, get involved, have them know who you are so that they can see if you're struggling. They know by looking at you. You call people up if you get upset, if you're anxious, if you've got if you've got problems, be there for new people. There's a whole lot of things that you learn in AA that help you stay really centred, and that is what I know has helped keep me sober and safe. Can you describe to us how your life has changed since becoming sober? Could be relationships, career, other goals. What goals do you have? It, it largely it couldn't have changed any any more. And and I guess if you were to look at the outside, um, looking in, it, it perhaps had I haven't changed that much. Although I certainly look different, I certainly feel different, and and that's it. You know, I like who I am today. I'm a completely different person. I'm not. I'm not reacting from a place of being tired and hungover and shitty. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a lot more positive. I'm a lot more grounded. I want to I want to be a good person. I really like who I am. I think I'm a decent person. I, I don't I don't um, I'm not selfish. I'm not self obsessed. I mean, sure, I can slip back into that, but overall, I I'm proud of the person that recovery has helped me become. AA is described as a spiritual program, not a religious program. What does spirituality mean for you? I guess it means having a, a, a higher power. And for anyone listening who doesn't perhaps know, you know, with AA we are the God or our higher power is of our own understanding. So it's whatever we want, we choose it to be. So for me personally, although you'll never be asked in an AA meeting what, what yours is, my concept of it is like a universal power. Um, and I feel I feel looked after and I feel protected. I think religion is quite different. It's a lot more structured around prayers and going to church and things like that. But AA is a spiritual program and we have a God or a, a higher power of, of our own understanding. What would you suggest to any listeners who may think they have a drinking problem? I would suggest to them, I would ask them, can you stop? Because I couldn't stop. I could. It didn't matter how badly I'd behaved. It didn't matter what had gone on. I just could not stop. Or I couldn't do it for anything more than a couple of days. So if you're having trouble stopping, and if your drinking is making you unhappy, if you're doing things that that feel outside of of what you should be doing, of your your norms and, and your standards, then get yourself to an AA meeting and see what have you got to lose. Yeah. What questions would you ask someone to help them decide whether they need help? Um, I'd, yeah, I'd get them to look at their happiness level. How happy are they? What are they? I, I guess my life was a train wreck, so I would suggest to people to have a look at theirs. What are their relationships like? What's their honesty like? H- how much are they drinking? Are they hiding it? You know, I used to, I, I would be, my drinking would sort of start earlier and earlier and I'd have my glass of wine, I'd hide it in a cupboard just in case anyone came round. Well, you know, I was alone. If you're hiding your drinking from loved ones than people that you look at, you know, that's not normal behaviour. So I, I, I guess I would, yeah, what are you doing? How are you, how are you acting? And can you stop if you actually need to? Are you, are you making sure that you don't do things because it gets, gets in the way of your drinking. That was another big thing for me. Hated being invited out at night because it meant if I had to drive, I couldn't drink. You know, that's that's really limiting. And my life got incredibly small when I, you know, when I drank. Do you want to describe to us one of the biggest changes that's occurred for you since becoming sober? I guess 
I guess that smallness of my life has the the sort of opposite has happened when it was sort of inverted. It, it's now opening up, and my life has changed in just so many ways. But I guess, I, I guess one of the when I was drinking, I had come to the realization that I would never be in another relationship because who wants to be in a relationship with someone who's drunk all the time? And it's just, not just like I was drunk; I was unpleasant. I was awful. You know, I used to enjoy tearing people down. If I felt bad, I wanted you to feel bad. And and so, you know, I loved telling people what was wrong with them. I just I was a, a I was just really awful, you know. And um and and so now that if I don't drink today, I don't have to be like that, then everything in my life opens up. And and I think relationships have been one of the biggest changes you know I now have a, pa- a partner who who I just love dearly and he is not the sort of person that I I could have been in a relationship had I've been drinking you know he's never seen me drunk he never you know God willing he never will see me drunk and I'm a different person and so I can have different relationships with everyone there's there's him there's my family there's my friends I'm a better friend I'm a better you know I'm a better sister I'm a better daughter I'm a better everything you know God, it's almost like I'm doing a um, a public service by being sober. But part of that is actually true because I'm a much better person. Thanks, Martin. Thank you uh, for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me. For any listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show is Monday 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, God, grant grant me me the the serenity. To accept, to accept the, the things, things I cannot, cannot change, change, courage to change the things, things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. difference. You have been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. Mm-hmm.